welcome to the 63rd episode of Downtime Podcast featuring Jeremy and Elisa. Again, Elisa is out this week, so today I brought on a very special guest. Casey, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I don't know about very special, but thank you very much. <laughs> well, it's it's uh, my pleasure to have you on. I, I, I've been wanting to do this since you started, actually. Um, yeah, no. Uh, thank you. Sorry about the background noise, everyone. That's uh, We're in a conference room, and uh, it's just the pipes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, let's get into it. How, sure. I, I, I'm really fascinated about uh, your story, yeah. how you got into games. Um, a lot of our audience, of course, are gamers. Our podcast is focused on games. So, um, yeah, first of all, what are you playing before we get into your history? What are you <laughs> oh, playing right man. now? Uh, well, I'm a Nintendo honk for sure, but I have... So right now I'm actually getting deeper into Mario Odyssey on Switch. Nice. Um, having finished Zelda and... Trying to wrestle the PlayStation away from my sons as much as possible. They're playing a lot of FIFA and NBA 2K and stuff. So I'm trying to get back into some of those games. I think um, the best thing about being a father is that I have sons that I can play games with. But the worst thing is that I never get to play games (laughs) by myself. So I'm heavily involved in some games that are older now too. So uh, let's see. Older Assassin's Creed games that were free. And then uh, I'm actually getting back into Destiny a little bit, too. So I'm all over the board. All over the board. Nice. Have you ever played Overcooked? I have not played Overcooked, (laughs) no. It's a great family game. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. um, We're trying to get them off video games for a spell to get them into some board games so that they can learn kind of the, the tragedy of loss the boys and then because when they compete in FIFA it's very very highly competitive like it should be so we're trying to teach them a little bit more about uh, you know the stable board gaming where they can see kind of the ends and see the tactical part of it too so uh, getting away a little bit from the screens and more into the uh, tactical side of gaming nice fun yeah that's awesome (laughs) I mean life lessons are always in every video game right yeah oh gosh (laughs) yeah they're learning the hard way Oh wow, wow, cool, cool. Um, so yeah, a little a little bit about you. How did you get into video games? Sure. How did you start working in the games industry? Yeah, yeah. All that stuff. So it feels like it's, it's been a short while, but it's actually been a long time. Um, so I came out of college and knew I didn't want to get a real job. I didn't want to get a career job. I came out with a broadcasting degree and. and Move furniture for a while. I was uh, a PE teacher for a while. I oh, was wow. what's called a stringer um, for a little while too, where I chased ambulances with my police scanner and my uh, <laughs> video camera, and um, all those things were great and there were fun experiences. But when an opportunity came up to work as a temp tester at Lucas Arts um, back in 2001. I, I jumped at it, and it was kind of one of those things where I felt like I needed a stable check but didn't really anticipate there being much future in the industry for me there. Yeah. Um, But it was immediately, it was everything I wanted it to be. It was, I was playing games for a living. I was um, working on Star Wars. I was working local, which is something that's always incredible and fun. And having grown up in Marin and and been around Star Wars and George for a long time, that I was pretty lucky. So I started that way as a three-month contract hire as a tester. Um, made my way into uh, full-time and then to a lead position um, on the first Star Wars Battlefront and Battlefront 2 um, and then made my way into production around the end of 2005 
and have kind of been in a production role pretty much ever since. There's been a couple spells where I've been out of it, and then a couple spots where I've been um, looking to get out of it. But yeah, I've been yeah. basically a producer for the past uh, a little over 10 plus years. Oh, wow. So you'd say overall you're a seasoned video game producer, right? <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. Yeah, I, I realize that with each place that I go, you know, having worked at LucasArts and learned about Star Wars and then gone to Sony and Telltale and um, EA, uh, every place has a different challenge and a different role and, and learning about different content. I've worked at a gambling place that... Uh, <laughs> where I've made slot machine games, and, and that's a real different kind of experience as a producer, too. So, um, yeah, I've been around a while, but I don't know that I've learned it all yet, for sure. There's definitely yeah. more experiences to be had. Nice, yeah. nice. Well, what was the most challenging thing at LucasArts that you did? <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of aspects within each company that, uh, you know, political aspects that you have to kind of figure out which side you're going to take. Uh, LucasArts was challenged by the fact that they were the owners of the most popular IP in the world, yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for me, it was a great experience because I loved Star Wars and I loved the stories that were there uh, within that universe. Um, but we told too many of them. We, we produced seven Star Wars games, I think, in my first year there. Wow. Uh, and that was a difficult part. So when I got into production... Um, and in particular at LucasArts, the difficult part was having to turn down some of these ideas. I think, you know, I was never on the front line of that decision-making, but having seen a lot of the, um, the ideas that came across and pitches and stuff and, and having to, you know, dial back um, a little bit of developers, uh, developers who wanted to take Star Wars in a different direction, that was difficult for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, again, we're just talking about a company that was um, in a transition era. We went from, you know, people loving Star Wars to people not really liking Star Wars yeah. to trying to build it back up again to something they, they really enjoyed. Um, so that was difficult for sure. Uh, just being a part of that kind of era of having to really pitch a game that maybe people weren't too excited about. And, yeah. you know, working around those parameters. And um, when I left at the... Uh, the beginning of 2008, um, they were again going through another transition uh, with a lot of personnel, and that was difficult for them too. It was a lot of people were on their way out, um, mm -hmm. and a lot of projects were going to get canceled or canned. Um, so folks were, you know, a little bit apprehensive too. But uh, overall, I, I look back on that place as my, you know, kind of first love of the industry. Yeah. Looking back at LucasArts as a place that I would have loved to stay my whole career and. Um, you know, the people that are still there now and working at Lucasfilm Games are doing a great job, but it's it's definitely an, um, a different place now for sure. Yeah, I got you. Thank you. Um, did you work on, or did you ever hear about the Darth Maul video game? <laughs> no, uh, no, I actually, I know that there have been lots of bad guy pitches throughout the years. Yeah. Um, I was part of one for the original Battlefront 3 pitch. Oh, yeah. Um, there was a lot of stuff that was talked about. I don't think I ever got wind of a Darth Maul game. If I did, I probably put it in the recesses of my brain somewhere where okay. it, it didn't make sense. But yeah, telling that side of the, the, the universe was always difficult. Um, but no, I think there's there's a lot of story there I think that people need to, to make games about for sure. Yeah. The other side of the, 
the light side and the dark side of the other side. <laughs> Way to put it into perspective. Right. <laughs> Did you ever work on Battlefront 3? Because I know there was a lot of the alpha yeah. leak footage that came out. Yeah, so, um, you know, not to go too deep into sure. the politics of it, but when I came off of Battlefront Renegade Squadron, which was a PSP exclusive yep. game, I yep, rolled yep. right into Battlefront 3 for a short amount of time. Um, and it was an incredibly ambitious project for sure. And definitely would have revolutionized the franchise. Yeah. Um, in from the technical side of it, what it wanted to do, um, but there were challenges like there always are in every game. So yeah. Yeah. I think everybody tried really hard to make the best product they could, and in the end, it was uh, unfortunate for every side because I think Battlefront Three was going to be a very, very uh, incredible experience, and I'm glad that the series has been rebooted in such a way that fans are excited again about it. But um, yeah. at that point, it was it was. A difficult decision i think for everybody too to shut it down yeah um, i mean the fans included you know and for the devs as well that worked and put their heart and soul into the game i think it's it's you know it's it's a it's a loss it's a sad loss yeah but yeah. uh yeah i mean the the space to land battles look really cool everything about the game like just from the alpha footage looked yeah. awesome but uh yeah i like what they're doing now with the franchise but i i hope that they do get, come out with a three yeah. <laughs> in the future I mean, there's going to be, what, Star Wars movies for the next hundred years or so, so... Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, the games will also be in the same realm. I mean, you got to figure, as the technology goes on, there'll be better ways to push uh, the sandbox environment of Star Wars, because it really is that kind of fantasy of being able to, you know... We always said, it's it's the ability to take your toys out into the backyard and play with every single one of them in any way you want, right? Yeah. Fight the classic Star Wars battles any way you want, is our, our yeah. pitch line, so... Um, yeah, there's no way that they're gonna stop after after this for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, did you work on any Indiana Jones games when you were at? The I didn't games? work on any Indiana <laughs> Jones games. I saw a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I am uh, I'm a little sad that the franchise has kind of <clears throat> fizzled out for a little bit, but yeah. I think you know there's no way that uh, it will make some sort of comeback at some point. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So I myself am a huge fan of the Star Wars Battlefront, especially the first two games. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So will I be able to find your name in the credits for both? Yeah, absolutely. Lead tester on uh, both Battlefront and Battlefront Two. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm in there. Awesome. I, I, <laughs> technically, I bought the first game twice and the second game twice because cool. I bought the first one on PC. Yeah. Uh, both of them, first one and second one on PC for, uh, first one is just the disc, the physical disc. Right. And the second one was through Steam. Uh, and the first one and second one on PS2, also disc form. So. It's crazy to think that it's <laughs> PS2 and then Steam as well. Like now I, I think about how, I have no idea how the folks at Pandemic created a game of that scale in on a platform that small on ps2 absolutely uh, and it's it's a tribute to them for sure but that was a uh, yeah that was a cool experience absolutely that's something that i hang my hat on for most of my career now and you'll hear me talk about it anytime i talk to anybody because that was something that i was super proud of for sure. oh yeah i mean you i'm glad that you can talk about it too like you're really happy and you're yeah. like really enthusiastic about it <laughs> it almost killed me but i mean it's <laughs> that's part of the experience certainly in gaming is you have to overcome a lot of adversity and, and when it's all done, you look back and have a lot of fond memories. Absolutely, yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you're an open book about your whole experience <laughs> at LucasArts. When I, when I first heard that you worked there, I was yeah. like, I gotta ask this guy like a thousand questions, you know? 
<laughs> Did you touch any of the Rogue Squadron games? Um, just in testing. Okay. In tests. Yeah, the original one for GameCube. Yep, I have that um, one. <laughs> again, another technical achievement that when you look back on it, Factor 5 and how they did that, I don't know. Um, did I do Rebel... I, did, I tested Rebel Strike probably just for peripheral testing. Nothing really just to play around with. Nice. Um, yeah. Good games. All cool. really fun. Cool, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, other than LucasArts, you've worked yeah. everywhere else in the Bay Area, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I've been extremely fortunate to, to live and work um, where I grew up and not having to have to move uh, to make ends meet, but um, it's a challenge for sure. This area is ripe with a lot of opportunity, but at the same time, it's also got uh, a ton of great talent all fighting for uh, a limited amount of positions. So, yeah, yeah. From Lucas Arts, I went to Telltale. I knew Dan and Kevin from Lucas Arts; they were friends, and and then didn't work out there and went to Sony um, to work on PlayStation home. It was a, another great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, from there went to IGT to make casino games. And then from casino games, um, went to EA to do some marketing and then wow. from EA to do some stuff at this company called Ren Ren. And then from Ren Ren went to leapfrog to make kids games. Uh, then from leapfrog to Ubisoft and then from Ubisoft to here and then soon to, uh, Zynga. Wow. Yeah. So, Everywhere you've been, you've been to a lot of gaming places. Well, like again, it's been the, uh, yeah. There's a road that I've traveled for sure, and I think I look back at it and, and, and career satisfaction. I'm pretty uh, 100% on the choices I've made, but at the same time, there are certain things where I look back and go, "Ooh, boy, wish I had stayed in that place a little bit longer, or maybe I should have, you know, not right. gone there." But um, you can't have too much regret. I mean, again, you're making games for a living, and you're you're having a lot of fun while you're doing it too. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you were at Ubisoft. Was there anything huge that you worked on that you can talk about? Um, I worked on the Fractured But Whole. I was a contract hire on the South Park Fractured But Whole uh-huh. game. Um, it was really, really another great experience working with a ton of great, talented people. That um, Ubisoft is a, is a much like LucasArts. They're a huge IP holder that has great vision for what they want to do, and um, they were extremely talented and worked very, very hard to make a great game. And, and um, I was, yeah, I was lucky. I was sold under the lucky star for 14 months to get to work there and help out on that project. Are you a South Park fan as well? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. We used to, yeah, we, much like a lot of folks that would have um, viewing parties every Wednesday night, we'd have South Park parties and stuff. And nice. Growing up, so that was fun. Did your team work with um, Matt Stone and Trey Parker directly? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. They were heavily involved uh, up until the very, very end of writing an incredible script, um, working hand-in-hand with design, working hand-in-hand with narrative on uh, pretty much every part of the game. Um, and, yeah, there's obviously, when you're working with guys like that who know their IP and know their talent very yeah. well, they are, um, you absolutely want to listen to their to their words of wisdom, for sure. So, yeah, the folks that were above me uh, were making right decisions based off of a lot of conversations with them. Yeah, that's good. But, I mean, I'm glad to hear that they worked with the developers. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they did it for the first game, too, right? So yeah, yeah, true. absolutely.
So speaking of that, um, the whole experience, my, my co-host, she couldn't make it today, okay. but she actually did have a couple questions for you. Fire away. Yeah. So right. one of them was, how do you keep your hopes high and how do you stay positive between projects? Because I know that's, you said between adversity. Projects, yeah. yeah. You know, that's a, it depends on where you're at. So I think between companies, that's difficult. Yeah. So there have definitely been downswings in my career where, you know, um, companies have folded or positions and, and departments have folded. Yeah. And so you're no longer needed or there's just a, um, a resource overload. So you, you go or you're a contract hire. Um, so between companies, it's a little bit different. You're looking for something that's the next best opportunity and something that's a, a great fit for you. Um, yeah. But when you're at a company and between projects, uh, LucasArts, for example, um, when you are peaking so high on trying to crunch a game through submission and everybody is working late hours and everybody's working weekends and then there's that point of um, that shining moment where you are approved and you are able to take a breath um, after a lot of vacation hours happen, there is that kind of upswell of excitement of what's the next thing for you. Um, and when you're at a company and you're stable and you, you know that you know, you're going to get a next project, there is a, a great kind of feeling of everything's possible. Yeah. Every single project is possible. Um, and again, I, I always go back to this when I talk to folks is in this industry, it's really brutal. But at the same time, um, you're making games for a living. Yeah. And so you got to have a positive attitude at some point because you're not fighting a war somewhere. You're not on a hot tar roof yeah. in the middle of August. Yeah. Um, so you're making games. And if you can't have some sort of fun doing that and positive attitude during that, um, then maybe there's a different industry for you. And, and it's brutal. I get that. And I hate the fact that, you know, I have been through volatile situations throughout the industry and tons of my friends have as well. Um, but it's, it's difficult for me to look back on with a lot of regret on any parts of this industry. Yeah, yeah. I see Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you working in the, in the industry? How do you stay active? Active meaning like how do you how do you keep doing what you want to do? Right. Uh, yeah, I think so. Production is a weird thing because I'm I'm first off I'm not classically trained in any sort of project management. I'm not an engineer yeah. either. I'm not an artist. So for me, it, the difficulty is always about learning the process for either A, how a company works, or B, how just a new process works, how the art for South Park is created, how the art for Star Wars is created, how yeah. um, the engineering aspects behind you know, a huge game uh, works. And it's, it's a, a constant learning curve, but at the same time, it's, it's a, uh, an education. So yeah. Um, trying to stay active in keeping up with industry trends, keeping up with journals, keeping up with white papers. Um, you know, I'm not very good at it, but I certainly understand the industry enough that I have hopefully seen everything at this point. <laughs> I've hopefully seen all the expected uh, red flags, all the expected problem areas, and can yeah. not necessarily anticipate, but at least respond accordingly. So um, I take that to each project for sure that I know at some point something's going to go off the rails and we're going to need to respond in such a way. So just kind of trying to keep your head about you when everyone else is losing theirs. And um, yeah, that's just, it's, 
you know, again, I'm not a young man anymore. I've been in the industry a while now, and yeah. it's time for me to kind of realize that, um, you know, a lot of these problems that the industry keeps having are repetitive and that we need to figure out a better way to solve them. But um, as far as, quote unquote, staying active, yeah, yeah, it's in production, you you always have something to do. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It's true. Are there any big problems within the industry that you could see that could be fixed easily? Oh, fixed easily. Or fixed, you know, a year. You know, easy for me may not be easy for anybody in a position of hiring. Um, easy for me may not be uh, easy for anybody in a position of, you know, creating a platform or creating a situation. So when I think of problems in the industry, I think of diversity. I think of um, lack of diversity. I think of the lack of... Um, work-life balance still. I think the lack of, um, I think just the pay around the industry is difficult to kind of manage. Um, and there is a certain amount of volatility that is still, uh, in my eyes, um, to, is not handled effectively when companies fold and projects fold. Right. Not having the foresight to figure out how to manage your talent how to move them from something that has gone down or closed to someplace new and how to keep good talent for long periods of time. Um, so the easy ones for me, I would say hiring effectively in the areas of diversity um, and then just being able to manage that work-life balance. I, I just, yeah, I think that is so critical, especially around here with the talent pool as big as it is in San Francisco. Yeah, um, You got to be able to manage the talent that you have keep them keep them working for you yeah Yeah. I was going to say my next question was going to be how do you balance your work life how how do you balance that with like yeah when in the games industry how do do you find time to yes there were there were companies that I have worked for and have subsequently left um, because of that reason I see Uh, because I was I've been around the block enough to say to myself at least I'm not going to go down the road of the 120 hours a week or 100 hours right. a week anymore. Right. I've done that. Wow. And I was a young man before, and now I'm not. And now I have a wife and two kids, and I need to pay attention to their needs as well as my own. Um, and if it's a company that's not going to respect that, or if it's a situation that I feel I'm not setting myself up to be successful, or I'm letting the company down by not being able to be there, ex- you know, overtime hours, however yeah. many overtime hours they need. Um, then there's a reason for me to walk away. So um, that's not to say I don't work hard or want to work hard or or would do the overtime or need to do the situational uh, things that the company and the industry require. But at the same time, there's no way that I'm going to allow myself anymore to be put in a situation that is um, unmanageable and untenable. Uh, You just can't put your health at risk anymore. And people are doing it still in this industry, but... Fortunately for me, I've made that decision that, you know, my life and my life outside of work is, you know, immeasurably more important than any job that I have. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) I mean, I think uh, the the city as a whole has an issue with a lot of work-life balance with a lot of companies. So I'm glad that there's very few or I don't know how many that still value their their life outside of work over their work life, which is good. And it's easy for me to say because I've got an incredible support system. You know, I've got a wife who's incredible and works hard and I've got family awesome. here that support me and nice. I've been through 
like I said, I've been through periods where I haven't worked and have yeah. relied on, um, I've relied on the government. I've relied <laughs> on, you know, um, side jobs. I've relied on these other things to get me over that hurdle to the next opportunity. Um, and a lot of folks in this industry don't have that. You know, you yeah. hear of it all the time of a company that closes and nobody has a parachute. Nobody has anything else they've ever done before. Yeah. Um, and so they go from situation where everything's great to now what do I do? And yeah. It's tough. And, you know, I've asked myself recently, why am I going back to that? Why am I going back to an industry leaving um, a company like this and going to uh, back to a, a gaming company? Um, you know, but you have to weed those situations out in the beginning in the hiring Absolutely. process and talk yeah. to the folks ahead of time and figure out, um, do your research, do the checkup on the company and figure out where they've been and what they've done with their projects once they're done. And, you know, have they had layoffs recently? Have they you know, hired yeah. recently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glassdoor is important. Right, absolutely. <laughs> I think you've probably heard the news, the really tragic news that happened. I think it was earlier this year. Visceral Games yeah. shut their doors, Yeah, which was really sad. Absolutely, yeah. I have friends that work there. I have oh. uh, a lot of expectations for the Star Wars story coming yeah. out of there. And, yeah, yeah. and I'm glad to see that um, folks at least are landing back on their feet in other places, at least from folks that I know. And, and um yeah, I hear about huge companies. You know, LucasArts went through it three months after I left. They, they yeah. fired 60% of their workforce. Wow. Um, and it's not places you, you know, always anticipate seeing that happen to. But, yeah. 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 Uh, it's real. It's absolutely real. Yeah. Yeah. It's just tough times, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Man. Um, yeah, that's that's about all the questions I had <laughs> from myself okay. and from Elisa. Sure. Uh, are there any? Is there any advice that you want to give people that are looking to get into the games industry? Oh, gosh. So again, I, I go back to the fact that I was so lucky to fall backwards into it, um, and coming through it now and seeing people who are incredibly ambitious, um, artists, engineers, you know, folks in PR, folks in marketing, folks who have a drive that um, they love this industry as much as anybody else does. I think for me, it, it's just be flexible to the fact that there is chaos all around this industry, but at the same time, there's room for hopefully everybody. Yeah. Um, so if you're flexible in being able to say, look, I'm an artist, I know I'm an artist, but at the same time, I may have to, you know, dig a few ditches here and do some testing or do something else um, career path wise that I wasn't anticipating for a little while in order to get there. Yeah. Um, you can have a long career and, I think for me, again, I, I lucked out in the fact that I got started in the industry a little bit later than a lot of folks. Um, so my communication capabilities were above a lot of what I thought a lot of kids around me were and, and was able to parlay that into situations where um, I, I leveled up. And now it's like looking back, you know, 15, 16 years later, um, I'm, again, extremely lucky and luck will play a part of it. So take advantage of the luck that's around you for sure and do things like this do reach out to people who are in the industry and talk to them and you know there's there's all sorts of opportunity out there if you're willing to, to push for it awesome thank you for that advice of course um, I actually do have one final question yeah. for you okay. if you were given the right amount of everything for a specific job okay. would you move out of the country for it yeah I've, I've looked again I yeah. am um 
like yeah. Europe or Japan. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. I think that I've lived in such a small fraction of this world, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction, that uh, I am I'm inherently a traveler for sure. And I loved, that's kind of one of the reasons I got into production was producers were always jetting off to someplace <laughs> yeah. to do a game demo, to go see a developer. Yeah. Um, and I had opportunities in every company that I worked at to do stuff like that. And that's yeah. an incredible feeling. Yeah. I don't care if it's in the middle of this country or in the middle of anybody's country to get up and go visit another you know, place and, and to live and work there is a, it's a great opportunity. So I would highly encourage, yeah, absolutely. Look outside of this place, look outside. Yeah. You don't have to go very far to find something new and, and fun and inventive. Yeah. Um, but I, I absolutely would do it in a heartbeat. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that encourages a lot of people who are probably on the fence about, you know, yeah. deciding it, to move to another country to just do, pursue what they love. I think you'll find that gamers are gamers in, in pretty much every corner of the world. And uh, yeah. they just want to make great content and have a lot of fun doing it. Well put. Very profound. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Casey. It's thank been a pleasure. I think we can wrap up now. Thanks, you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the Absolutely. podcast. Um, you can find us on downtime.live, listen to our podcast. Podbean, YouTube, etc., etc. Anything you want to plug yourself? Casey? <laughs> uh, no, thank you though, for having me. Yeah, it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again sure. for coming on. And you've been listening to the 63rd episode of Downtown Podcast. See you guys next time.